Welcome to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. <clears throat> I'm your host, Dylan, and I am an alcoholic. Um, today is a solo podcast. Uh, I'm recording this um, a couple of weeks. I was going to say a couple of days, but it's actually a couple of weeks in advance of my birthday. Um, in anticipation of releasing today's episode on my actual uh, belly button birthday, since it happens to fall on a Tuesday, and any astute uh, listeners who may be paying any attention at all to how I've been doing this podcast, but I release new episodes of the Fun and Sobriety podcast every Tuesday, or at least I try to, and um, it's kind of a, a, a little wink and a nod to the general alcoholic sentiment that, uh, you know... We drank alcoholically and, you know, any day was as good a day as, you know, a Saturday night partying was just as good a night as a Tuesday afternoon, um, which as I'm trying to articulate it, I realize isn't actually a saying but or an expression, but it's understood that uh, Tuesday nights were just as good a night for drinking as uh, any other night of the week. And everybody intuitively understands what a lame day Tuesday is just in general. So, you know, um, yeah, I turned 47 years old today, um, <clears throat> or, you know, the day that this releases. Um, and I, I don't know about anyone else out there. I'm, I'm guessing this isn't a unique property of Dylan Hawes, uh, not a fan of my birthday. I've never really been a huge fan of it. Um, can't recall ever having super terrific birthdays ever, um, which is weird. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not intentionally sounding butthurt. I just know that even thinking back to childhood, I don't remember having, um, super, I, I, I oh, actually, what I should say is I remember early, <laughs> uh, like maybe my 11th birthday or no, yeah, 11th or 10th even, having this existential sadness about me. I, I remember um, there was a family party. It must have been my 11th birthday uh, at, at the house we lived in when I was a kid um, in Cleveland. And I went upstairs to my room to grab something, and I felt, all alone. I remember sitting up there on the little landing. There was like three different, it's like a turning staircase thing and just kind of laying down on one of the landings and just laying there for, I don't know, 75 or 80 years contemplating, uh, or, you know, at best an 11 year old brain can contemplate my own mortality. I, I, who I, maybe I wasn't, I, I think I was a, a happy go lucky kid, but every time I think back on my childhood, I, I think that that's not true. <laughs> I think I was a, a, a kind of a melodramatic sadnik. <laughs> but the point being, uh, I never, I don't know. I, and, and now that I'm getting real old, right. I mean, 47, I'm, 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 I'm past the point of averaging up to 50, you guys, you know, and, and that's a, it's a rough thing for me. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to guess that that's not unique to me. I'm going to guess that a lot of people feel some kind of, um, let's call it sadness about getting, pushing 50. I don't know. 
don't know, maybe maybe that's just my vanity, <sighs> which is still relatable, I suppose. I mean, there's a reason it's a deadly sin, right? I mean, it's something we all have inside of us to some extent or another. Um. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So I wanted to release a a, a solo podcast on on my birthday, even though I've got a handful of pretty solid um, conversations in the hopper that are ready to be released over the next few weeks. I'm actually very excited about a lot of these, all of them that are coming up. I'm just very excited. Um, you can hear it. I mean, it's just palpable in my voice, right? Just dripping with excitement. Um, wanted to uh, talk about uh, something here, and again, anyone who's been listening with any regularity is probably comfortable with the notion that I overthink things and that I get up in my head about stuff. And, uh, you know, that's what these solo episodes are often a large part. Uh, that's often a large part of what these solo episodes are about, right? Is me processing out loud in real time, kind of stream of consciousness style. And, um, I am self-conscious about this idea that uh, uh, I, I don't, okay, I'm self-conscious about the idea that I'm doing this podcast and by virtue of me releasing these on a regular basis and releasing these conversations with people in various levels of sobriety and they're, you know, having conversations about our shared experiences and our shared, uh, um, you know, feelings about things in the world and trying to draw connections and, and then sitting down and talking about my own sobriety and, and hopefully being candid. I, I feel like I'm being candid again. I, I don't go back and re-listen to them before I release them, so sometimes it's fingers crossed as to just how vulnerable or real I've been um, by the time it gets released. But um, I got self-conscious recently, earlier this week or over the last few days, that I am presenting myself as though I have my shit together more than I, I perhaps do. Um, and, and I hesitate or pause in the middle of saying that because even that isn't quite what I want to say or the way I'm thinking about it. I, you know, well, you know, back to my initial, um, trepidation with this podcast, I don't, I don't want to present myself as though I am somehow exceptional. You know, that's, that's the first and foremost concern I've had so far is, you know, I don't, I'm not doing this as an, as a way to advertise how awesome I am. Right. And, and I, I check myself on that very regularly, probably more than is healthy, I suppose, to be sure that I am not, or, or, you know, to pay attention to if I am being, uh, uh, doing this for my own pride and for, uh, boosting my own sense of myself, my own ego, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think about that all the time, but then I also recognize that I'm, I'm, I am a successful person. I mean, on paper and in many tangible ways, um, and emotional ways, spiritual ways, even I'm an, I'm a successful person and it does appear that I have my shit together. 
I mean, I started this podcast on my 10 years sobriety birthday, right? I mean, I had 10 years under my belt before I hit go on the first recording. And it's more like the zeroth episode, right? Because I'm, I'm never, I never released that episode. I uh, probably never will. I mainly because I, I didn't have any idea what I was doing. It was, it was, you know, a month before the first one actually was released after that fact. So my point being that like, even though it's just deeply personal relationship between this podcast and my sobriety date, it, it, it was started on a significant, um, or at least a, a significant milestone or a milestone of significance, let's say. Um, and all of that is to say that, yeah, I mean, on paper and in many ways, I mean, 10 years of sobriety and I'm not, I'm not an emotional wreck. I, I do have healthy relationships in my life. My, my children are presently healthy and doing well. My family is, you know, my extended family, they're all, um, you know, the relationships with them are all very good. Um, at least the people I acknowledge is my family, I suppose. I mean, at some point I'll probably talk about the relationship or lack thereof with my, my biological mother, but, um, not, not today. Um, but my, my point being, you know, it's, it, it isn't, uh, inaccurate to say, yeah, well, you know, Dylan has his shit together. Right. And, you know, it's with humility, or at least intentional humility that I started doing this podcast, you know, to, to offer what I have out there and try and reach out to people. And, you know, I think I've said it several times in other podcasts, but, you know, I, I I'm, I'm hoping with the conversations and with these, you know, overly <laughs> thought out ruminations, solo episodes to, to offer something to people out there who may be struggling in their own way, you know, or, well, with the intent of offering to people who are struggling in their own way, or to offer a little bit of uh, insight to, to people who don't have personal experience with, with what's going on with, with recovery, with, with, with addiction, you know, whatever people who maybe know people in their lives. And, and I've said this several times. I don't know why I feel the need to keep repeating it, especially since I can't, clearly can't say it concisely. Uh, I, I, with humility in my heart, I I'm doing this right. And I, I, part of that I'm, I'm aware is because I do have something to offer. Right. And I guess I'm self-conscious that, uh, people that I'm going to feel separate from because of this, that I somehow, I, I don't want to appear this way. And I definitely don't want it to sink inside of my, my heart that I am unique, that I am separate, that I, that I, that the fact that I have stuff to offer somehow is a special thing for me. And, and when I jotted this down as a note, I, I, I summarized it or, or captured it as, you know, I, I don't have my shit together. Right. And this is actually the second time I've tried to record this very podcast. I woke up early this morning, or I woke up this morning relatively early, and I recorded like an hour of me talking about all this. Um, and it was too rambly, which arguably all of these are pretty rambly, but it was, so you can appreciate if I thought it was too rambly, that it was probably well rambly. Um and I felt like I didn't quite find the thread of what it was I was trying to get to until the last like five, 10 minutes of it. And through the rest of the day, I was like, well, I'm not going to, why, 
why would I sit on an hour long episode when the only thing I really liked about it was the last 10 minutes. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down and, and re-recording this, which is, I'm also beginning to realize is also my MO, uh, cause this is like the seventh time I've re-recorded a podcast and I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, uh, most people who aren't getting paid for podcasting don't re-record their podcasts with the frequency that I do, but I want this to be useful. I don't want it to be something that you, you listen partway through and you're just like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about and turn it off. Right. I, I hope that I'm engaging enough and, uh, offer enough that you'll, you'll want to listen. And so if I feel like I'm not doing that, I'm going to re-record it like now. Um, cause here's the deal. Yeah. I kept going around in circles this morning when I first recorded this saying, I don't have my shit together, you guys. And then I would go line item a ton of reasons why I feel like I don't have my shit together. And I would realize at the end of each one that every piece of evidence that I was offering was just more evidence that I have my shit together. You know, I mean, I, I have a good job. I have a house over my my head and my children's head, my, my children don't go to bed hungry. They go to bed, they feel secure, they feel safe. My, the, the things that I can influence on them, I, I have, I have um, done a good job to provide for them. And, and where I don't, I've, you know, actively try to correct that or at least pay attention to it. And, you know, I have a car, I have, I, I, I got a bunch of creature comforts, the, the kind of shit that when you're really, you know, at the bottom of your fucking barrel and, 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 and you're really in you're at the bottom of, of your, you're hitting rock bottom. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is tangible. Like it's an easy thing to get complacent about, you know, and that, that's part of, of why I want to talk about this today. It's like, I don't, I don't want that complacency to, to, to fester inside of me. And I don't want to any, and not allow any sense that I feel entitlement because of what I've achieved. Right. Like it's kind of a double-edged sword there. And I don't know how else to put that, but in terms of shit that like, you know, 10 years ago or yeah, even 10 years ago, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm over 10 years sober right now, but 10 years ago, the first few months of my sobriety, I was still in hell, man. I, you know, I was feeling far more optimistic than I had felt for years at that point, but I was in hell and, and I've got so many of the gifts that so many things that I can only re describe as gifts, let's say because of my recovery, because of my sobriety, because I had slowly did the work and I slowly improved my condition and, and, you know, with time and with effort and with faith that these arbitrary things that seemed arbitrary that I was doing were going to get me to something better in the future. You know, I, I maintained that sense of faith, uh, in, you know, the, the day-to-day -day sobriety and the moment-to-moment -moment sobriety and wonderful things have come to pass. And yeah, at this point, you stand me up in, in most situations, and especially if you if you go to a 12-step meeting, you know, across the board, I got my shit together, you know, I'm, I have, you know, and I, and I try to lean into that and, and provide as much, uh, you know, strength and hope to others as I can, but 
I say I don't got my shit together because I'm still not satisfied. I'm still the same at my core. I'm still the same agitated, uncomfortable, unsatisfied person that I was, that I've been throughout my whole life. Right. I was going to try and somehow sandwich that inside of my drinking and my drugging, but that was just a, a, a symptom of that shit. Right. All, all those years that I was out getting hammered all the time. I was I was the same agitated, uncomfortable person, sad and empty, or at least with a with a deep emptiness inside of me. You know, even before I leaned into the drink. You know, that's like I said, I, I have you know relatively vivid memories of having an existential sadness about me at eleven years old, which is just silly. I mean, you should just be carefree and stupid at that age. I I don't. I honestly don't remember feeling carefree and stupid ever, <laughs> except for when I was drunk, I guess. Um, so I, I guess maybe calling it not having my shit together is, is I don't know. I'm, I'm stuck on that terminology, I suppose. I, I just need need to make it clear that I don't feel special because of what I've got. I feel like I have 10 years of sobriety now and it's the most wonderful thing that I think could have happened to me over the last 10 years. Let's put it that way, right? Like I I would have been I there's no way I would have survived these 10 years. I definitely would not look or resemble anything like who the person I am today if I hadn't changed. So in that regard, I have my shit together, you know, I guess part of, part of what makes me self-conscious about this is again, it's the, the, the sense that this is somehow me. I don't want to give off that impression. I don't want people to tune in and schluff me off, schluff this podcast off as just some guy advertising his shit and, and, you know, thinking it's somehow going to relate to someone else out of some like sense of, of, uh, salesmanship, right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if anything I have to say is for you. I know that if you're interested and you want to talk about it and you want to hear what I have to say, it probably is. But in the end, I'm just another fucking drunk, right? In the end, I know that if I were to go grab a drink right now, I could be, oh man, I could be down on my lips and losing everything good in my life within a fucking day, right? I can, I could feel that. And that's, that's, I guess what underlies this, like, I don't got my shit together. I, I, it's more like I don't have my shit together any better than you do at a fundamental level, right? Because at a fundamental level, I have my shit together exactly this much. Right this second, I know that I can either drink or I can not drink, right? And that's the only, only thing about me that I have 100% clarity on. Right now, I can drink or I can choose not to drink. It's a binary choice. And 
why that's significant to me, I mean, that, that, that binary choice right there underlies my entire sense of spirituality because, because in a very real way, I have no control over anything in my life, right? Like I have, I have no control over, I have, I, I, I have no control over my condition today. It's another reason why I'm self-conscious about appearing or presenting myself as having my shit all together. Because I also understand that it's, it's a privilege that, that the gifts that I have and, and the, the life that I lead is because of the circumstances into which I was born and I have zero control over that. Right. And, and yeah, I have made solid conscious choices over the past 10 years, little by little, breath by breath, step by step to go from where I was 10, 11 years ago, 15 years ago to where I am today. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I was involved in that. It wasn't like I was just a leaf floating down a river. I I had to do things to get from step one to step two to step thousand and, and to the steps that I'm taking today, like literal steps. I'm talking about 12 steps. I had to do each one of those, you know, but I'm a white man born into the United States of America in the late 20th century. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm already on third base, let's say, right? Like just by virtue of all of those acts or acts by that, that, that fortunate circumstances, I'm already, you know, I'm already rounding towards home. Um, so it'd be in, in, it would be disingenuous to, I have a trauma. What's the problem with that? Is it, is it ingenuine? Disingenuine? It wouldn't be genuine for me to present as though I had the worst problems in the world and that my situation was more dire than it is or was. I, I had my shit together because I started on third base and was given a, a lob to start walking in home, right? I mean, it's a crummy analogy that breaks down, but I think you get it. You know, I wasn't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am exactly as, I know where I am, you know, and, and I don't take pride in the fact that I was born into this circumstance. I don't, I, I don't take pride in the fact that when I fell apart, I had a loving and supporting family with enough means to step in and, and financially help me out or, and, and literally to, to give me money where I needed it for, for rehabilitation, you know, and to offer me space in their homes. I, I had that. And, and, you know, I, I suppose I could have fallen. I could have, I could have been more hard headed and, and maintained in my fucking drunks and, and in the drink and, and, pushed all of them away to the point where they weren't willing to offer me that. I mean, I, I suppose I could have put myself even further behind the eight ball there and then, and then see what happens and, and, you know, found my way through that and re repaired those relationships or whatever, you know, that I, it's the idea that you can just keep digging that bottom as long as you want to go. If, if, you know, at some point you're going to have to turn around and come back up if you're going to do it. But I'm, I'm aware that I was very fortunate in that. That, that I have loving parents and, and, and my sister who were there for me and they cared for me and, and I hadn't 
destroyed that relationship to the point where they weren't willing to help me. They weren't willing to take a chance that if they offered their hand and I took it, I wasn't going to drag them down or slap them in the face with it. I was going to actually use it as a step up and try and get my shit together. Right. And, and I, and I didn't do it perfectly. I fucked up. I fucked up one time at least, you know, and I don't know, maybe if we sat down and had a concerted conversation about it, they'd be like, no, you fucked up like five times, dude, but whatever. They didn't stop loving me. And, and that's, that's fucking fortunate, right? Like there could have been so many worse consequences, but there weren't. And my story is my story. And, and the pain inside of me is still my pain. I mean, that's the other half of that. It's like, it doesn't matter that that was my privileged position. It's still my falling apart and it's still my life. I'm the only, only, only person who's living inside of my head and going to have to walk through my experiences. So yeah, I, I also recognize that these are real pains and these are real conditions and troubles to get or, 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 or obstacles to get past. My own addiction, my own wreckage are obstacles that are mine and mine alone, right? They're, they're certainly not as awful as people who grow up in third world countries or, or, you know, or, or dirt poor in this country, you know, I, there's plenty of reasons why I'm not the lowest on the, on the totem pole of, of sadness or whatever. I hope, I don't know. Is totem pole an offensive term at this point? I, I, you understand what I'm getting at, right? I'm, I'm, when I say I have my shit together, when I say that I've got something to offer, it's with full acknowledgement inside of me, at least that I'm aware that that comes with a state of privilege and that's, it's okay. I mean, I still have shit to offer. You know, it's like I said, I have a binary choice and this, this, this goes to the, the, this goes to the core of my spirituality. Okay. Because I, as I just described, I, I was born into the state that I'm in, right? I, I have, a, 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 I, I have a, a, a solid, uh, family unit. I, my, my, my brain functions very well, right? I'm an intelligent person. I am fortunate in whatever combination of brain chemistry and, and experiences and just, who knows, uh, kisma of the alignment of the moon and the stars and the planets. When I was just hatched out of my mom's womb, all, all this stuff, I, I, I have a fortunate thing about me that, you know, I'm, I'm whatever it is that none of that stuff I have any control over, you know, that I have no control over any of the experiences that my parents went through before they had me, you know, all the stuff leading in the, the, the countless events leading up to the moment when I was born, I have no more control over than the moments that proceeded after I was born and through my childhood and, and up until where I'm gaining consciousness and becoming aware of my interactions in the world and, and my impact on the world and the world's impact on me and, and all the other stuff that you want to come up with a way to describe as being conscious. You know, I have no control over that. And I don't have any control over what happens to my brain chemistry when foreign chemicals hit it, right? When I, when I drink, I have no fucking control over that, right? I, I fucking love it. That's why I went for it more and more because that sensation of just calmness and release, I, I calm, you know, maybe the first few times it felt calm, but it was, it was calming the agitation, let's say, you know, I have no control over that either, right? Like, and that gets to it. 
right? Like that was just this like hyper personified example of how I have no control and it feels fucking great. Right. And I fucking dove into that shit just like so many of us do. Uh, and it, it rocked me around for years and, and I really just leaned into it and, and I just embraced that lack of control and it became romantic and it became this self-defining thing. And then it became this shameful thing that I was hiding, but it was just always there. And, you know, what I'm saying, I guess, is, that, you know, I don't, I don't have, I feel like the addiction, the, the chemical dependency that, that I'm prone to and that tons and tons of people out there are prone to, it, it is a perfect manifestation of this lack of free will that I ultimately have. Right? I, I, I don't have the opportunity to choose any of that shit I was just describing. It's just what it is. And, you know, that's part of what makes it, it, it my take on this is, is in terms of how it affects recovery and my sobriety is that's part of the initial struggle to stop pouring liquor down my throat because the only real thing that appears like a choice that I have or that is a choice. I mean, I don't know why I'm, I'm parsing words over that. I mean, I have choices. I just don't have any control over the conditions that lead me in my brain chemistry and in, in the, in, in the rolling out of the, the environment that I'm in, even if it's based off of decisions I've made in the past, I don't have control over how that all rolls together. And so, you know, <sighs> when I'm drinking and I'm out there fucking poisoning myself and killing myself, it, it really isn't a choice, right? Like I can't stop. And that's, like I said, just this, this like mutated version of the deeper, more all encompassing sense that I don't have any control over anything in my life. It's just, this becomes this like cancerous thing, obstacle right in the middle of everything. And it's affecting every other aspect of my life, literally everything in my life. And so it's personification of this lack of control and taking the first little step towards gaining back some sense of control, right? Like, and, and that's a, that's a dangerous word, I suppose, because, uh, it's a, you know, it's a triggering, especially for certain aspects of people in recovery. Like, you know, it's, a, you know, you have no control and, and the language, the, the difficulty of language makes it sound like if you have any, you reference having control of any kind, it's like, you know, it's, it's a red flag, like you're going the wrong way. And, and I'm not, I'm not implying that, but, but <sighs> let's say rather than taking back control, let's say taking steps towards a more positive future, right? Like if I'm drinking and I'm filling myself with poison, I'm not taking steps towards a positive future by any means. I'm, I'm trying to drive myself into the ground and trying to turn that around. It's such a slow, slow, heavy thing, right? And like I'm just laden down by the, the momentum of all the bullshit that I've been doing to myself for years and years. So the only real choice that I have, the only real decision I can make in any given moment is, am I going to drink or not? Right. And like, there's a whole system. That's what the whole AA program is about. So all the 12 step recovery programs are about is helping 
us as addicts find our way through those first few moments and into the next few moments and, and putting some time under our belt and coming up with tools and, and changing our patterns of behavior so that over time it becomes more intuitive. And, and part of that is changing so many deep ingrained parts of our own personalities and our, and our, uh, the way we, um, maneuver through the world and the way we interact with other people and the, and the way that we deal with our own emotions and the emotions of others, you know, everything is just micro corrections and micro corrections. And, and sometimes there's pretty coarse corrections, but, but it's all towards trying to get to a space where you're no longer overrun by that lack of control over whether I can drink. It just went from you to I, but I meant I, with time and the ability, you know, to stay sober for a few years, I, I was able to like sit back and look back on it. And, and I register that like my own sense of spirituality in that, because I, I also I overthink and I'm a scientist or at least I have, you know, mathematical scientific mind, uh, you know, with degrees behind my name to, uh, you know, officially designate myself that way. I I can't, I can't simply live with the, the notion that, you know, well, you got to take it on faith, right? Like, uh, I need, I need something, you know, it's why I'm a skeptic at heart. It's why I don't, I'm, I don't believe in any God thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I align more with an atheistic approach to the universe. Um, not in an antagonistic way, just, you know, the notion that there's something paying attention, that doesn't make any sense. I do know that when I am in grace and when I am living in a way that feels fluid and organic and graceful with my surroundings and with the the world around me and with with, with my life, I feel connected right? Like I feel like I'm in tune with the universe. And and when I don't feel that way, I feel like I'm out of tune. It feels cacophonous. It feels chaotic. It feels uncomfortable. And, and I, I, you know, I I get agitated. It's like that, that whole agitation, it, it, it resonates with the agitation, which makes me feel that that agitation is a result of the lack of harmony that I have. And, and because it goes away when I do feel graceful and being in recovery has led me to this awareness and it's brought me into this feeling of grace when I am conscious of it, when I'm, you know, paying attention to it. And through that, you know, it's come from sobriety. It's come from being in recovery and and, in taking small steps and small course corrections to get me to a spot where I could look back on it and reflect on it in a, in a sober way, not just, you know, physically sober, but, but like in a rational emotionless way. And and that's why I get down to the idea that this this binary choice really underlies my my sense of spirituality, my sense of faith even, because I know I have empirical evidence that when I choose one path or the other, if I choose to drink or not to drink, I have empirical data, I have experience and I have you know countless experiences pieces of evidence looking around at the world around me, not just my own experiences that says, if I choose to drink, shit is not going to work out. And all of this 
grace and feeling of fluidity and connection and all the blah, 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 that's going to go away. And if I choose not to drink, I have an opportunity to move forward and stay on this path. And I don't, I don't know that to me, that is a profound awareness, right? I mean, I, I look at it like all of our modern conveniences today are, are based in a binary structure like that. I mean, everything is integrated at this point or so much of our lives is integrated and, uh, it boils down to, you know, I want to say all of the, the digital controls, at least of our life, that the, the digital underpinnings of our life are binary, right? Like that's the whole binary code. And sure, this is also uh, a little bit of my own, I don't know, kind of poetic approach to it, like glossing over the, the details that I don't quite understand. I, I, I'm not a computer scientist, but I do know that, you know, the... The microprocessor running my computer and, and you know, the, the server farms that, that enable all of the digital life that I, I lavish in today, you know, uh, all of them are, you know, built on a binary structure at a, at a core level. And so, you know, I, I, I tend towards that analogy and it works for me. And, and, I, and I don't think about it beyond that because it, it works for me. And because of that, because the only real choice I have is to drink or to not drink, and then the rest of my life proceeds forward in the way that it's going to proceed basically out of my control other than, yep, right now I'm not going to drink. Yep, right now I'm not going to drink. Yep, right now I'm not going to drink. Like Obviously, I'm not thinking about it constantly, but it's always there. It's at the core. It's at the baseline level, and everything I get proceeds forward from there. But I don't have any control over that shit either, right? And the only thing that I've been able to gracefully achieve is consistently making that right choice. With time, it becomes intuitive. And with time, it's become the natural choice. And with time, it's, you know, it's become easier. I'm not going to lie about that. And that's another reason that I get self-conscious about appearing that I have my shit together because it, it, it is easier for me today. There were periods, especially those first few months and, and several times over those first few years where it was not easy at all. And I leaned into people and I, and I leaned on people for help. And I, 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 I worked the program. I had a sponsor and I can understand anybody who is turned off by the, all that bullshit. I get it. It's, it's a weird humili uh, humbling thing, not humiliating. <laughs> it's humbling, you know? Um, and, uh, I, for me, I, I embraced the structure of it. I liked the idea that I had to get out of my own head about shit because I at least understood that I was in my own way all of the time throughout my life. Um, but I also understand that it's not for everyone and I understand that people can find their own way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't encourage it. I, I suggest that you find other people who have experience and follow their, uh, or, you know, ask them for input, you know, get advice from them. You know, if they're willing to, to sit down with you, then, you know, you should be willing to listen to them if they're, if they're willing to offer you something, you know, all, all this stuff. I mean, but whatever. So with all that, you know, I'm about to step out into the beginning of my 48th year on this planet. 
And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not where I want to be. Um, I'm not where if I was given a choose your own adventure approach to my life, I would not be where I am today. And, uh, I suppose that's another reason why coming across or presenting myself as having my shit together feels precarious because I, I'm not where I want to be, right? I mean, I, I have regrets in my life. I, I don't, uh, they're not, <laughs> they're, they're there and they happened in my late teens and in my early twenties, you know, like a lot of us, I suppose, um, perhaps peculiar because I feel like some of the poor decisions I made led me to, you know, a degree in physics and a PhD in material science. Right. So that sounds like a very odd thing to say. It sounds like a very privileged, like go fuck yourself thing to say. I recognize that, but it, it doesn't make it any less true. Right. Like I lived my life, um, driven by fear and insecurity. And I, at a very, well, I don't, I was going to say a clear spot in my history, but I don't remember exactly when I just remember gradually recognizing that I was afraid to try a risky life. I was afraid to embrace the bohemian artistic side of myself. Um, partly because I'm not a very artistic person, but I knew there was something performative in me and that I, I was good at, at certain aspects of performing and, uh, you know, I'm still, entertaining. I've still got some of that, but at some point in my, my youth, I, I, I chose a safe path. And, and like I said, I have a good thinker. My, my, my brain functions well. I've got good chemistry rolling around up inside my brain enough that I was able to be more than perfunctory at physics and engineering. And I could rise to the top of most classrooms that I placed myself in, in that environment. And, and there was a sense of pride in that. And I was like, well, you know, I, I can, I can do as good as these fucking dorks. And, uh, you know, so I, I did that and I, I walked myself into a corporate life and into an overwhelming amount of debt and responsibilities and things that I didn't want, but that just crept up over me into the point where Suddenly I was, or well, not suddenly, but one day I woke up and I was like, I am not who I want to be. You know, I was like that, that uh, David Byrne, you know, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. Right? Like that sense of like, what, what the fuck? And for me, I just fucking drank myself silly to, to, to hide from that. And, uh, and the ironic thing was that, uh, part of my fear early on in my, you know, in my youth was that I didn't want to, I didn't want to go embrace a bohemian lifestyle. I'm calling it a bohemian lifestyle. I just mean, you know, I, I didn't want to do the thing. I didn't want to go to LA or Hollywood and, and take a chance at, at being a performer, even though it was the only thing I was obsessed with. It was the only thing that I had any natural interest in. I, I was afraid that I would wind up a failure and unemployable and broke at 37. And so I, I took the cor the corporate path, uh, <laughs> and ironically, at thirty seven, I was unemployed, unemployable, broke, 
and I hadn't followed my dream. So it was worse, right? Like I walked myself into what is arguably a worse condition. Um, and that's one of the things I've had to, had to walk through in this recovery is, you know, making peace with, you know, that, that, that is my fault, right? Like I, I could have made those choices differently at, at the time. Um, I, I, I guess I shouldn't assign fault to it, but you know, it, 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 it is of my own making, right? Like the situation I'm in today and the situation I was in at that point, it was of my own making. It was of my own doing. And, um, and I'm slowly putting together some semblance of it. And it's funny because part of making my way through that in early recovery, especially when I was just kicking myself for every bad decision, every poor decision, every decision I made that had led me down this self-destructive path, or at least that's how it appeared at the time. Um, you know, I, I, I came quickly to the awareness that, yeah, it, it sucks. I didn't take that path. It sucks that I didn't try to go do stuff that I was passionate about when I was in my early twenties, but I still had the same chemistry in my brain. I am still the same fucking drunk that I would have been in that condition as well. You know, whatever different universe is rolling out there with the, the drunk Dylan who went out and tried to do comedy at 20, you know, maybe that guy died, right? Like who the fuck knows? You know, we only really get, we, we really only get one time through, right? And, and yeah, I can project a lot of different scenarios where I could have followed my dreams or pursued a different path and who knows what would happen, you know, choose your own adventure style. Um, but my life rolled out the way it had to roll out for me to be able to be sitting where I am sitting today with the life that I have today and with the experiences that I've had I'm able to offer a little bit in this podcast and, and to people in my life and, and to, you know, live, live the life that I'm living. And, uh, I don't sit in active regret about that shit, but yeah, it, it, it bums me out and it bums me out, especially on my birthday, right? Like it, everybody probably gets, well, maybe not everybody, there's probably plenty of crazy people who are happy about their birthdays every year. <laughs> but it bums me out to think about that stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I try not to sit in it for very long, but all of that, all of that is, is, you know, summarized by the, like, I, I don't got my shit together. You guys, you know, I'm doing okay. My life is arguably graced in a way that hopefully inspires other people to try and, and, and emulate in some way in their own little way, so that they feel a sense of grace in themselves, you know, like I, I'm trying very hard to say that in a way that doesn't come across like, you know, you should do what I do and you can get what I got. Like, I, I don't know about that, but, but if you, if you can find something about what I'm saying here that inspires you to, to, to do a little bit for yourself and you find that that improves shit for you, keep doing it, you know, and hell, you can you can you can reach out to me. You can reach out to me on the the uh, uh, the contact us link on the the Eavesdrop Podcast Network website or on Facebook, because um, that's that's what I'm doing this for. Ultimately, is to help other people. Because um, I've I've got plenty of other shit that I could just ramble on about a lot. 
uh, on a podcast and get just as few people listening, honestly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing this with the conscious hope that somebody who needs to hear something I have to say has the opportunity to hear it and it, and it, and it does something good for them. Um, and I guess that comes across as having my shit together. And, uh, if I have to roll the dice here or flip the coin and say at the end, do I have my shit together or do I not have my shit together? Yeah, I have my shit together. Um, but I'm not in any way deluded into thinking it's beyond the majority of it is just grace. And the only thing I have any real control over is right this second, I am sober and I have no desire to drink and I'm not going to drink. And maintaining a nice sense of grace That'll carry me through the rest of tonight, I hope. Um, so, yeah, if that resonates with you, I, 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 I'd say you're one of my people. Um, and, and I love you, you know. And I love you if, you, if it doesn't resonate with you, but we may not be as relatable. <laughs> but my heart goes out to anybody out there who's trying to find a new path, fix their shit, whatever you want to call it, you know. Life is rough and it's long, but it's also short and it's graceful, <laughs> but we only get one time through and uh, if we can do anything we can to try and, if I can do anything I can to help make my own life a little bit more graceful during the, the, the little bit of time I have left and, and through that help you with a little bit, then that's great. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and uh, I really appreciate you listening. Thanks a lot. Wake up when I'm sober, which will probably